This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Hey, listen, I um, I just want to uh, thank everybody last week for calling in when I opened up the phone lines. You know, interesting opinions, of course. Um, it's funny, nobody wanted to take, uh, take and bite the idea that the market is starting to slow down a little. You know, throw some real estate agents under the bus and all of a sudden the phones light up. So it was interesting because guess what happened this week? The news came out and more and more people are saying, hey, listen, the market looks like it's stabilizing. In fact, despite the fact that prices continue to go up, even month over month, we see a price increase. The number of properties is starting to slow down, but yet inventory is going up. In fact, for the month, 33% increase year over year in inventory. So this time last year in May, not nearly the number of properties up for sale, and this was adding to the buyer frenzy. So what's going on in the market? Well, as I said earlier, the prices continue to go up. We kind of anticipated that. So is it going to have an adverse effect to your value? Probably not, but you know what? Are we looking at a Kathleen Wynn you know, uh, success ratio here with everything that she threw at. Um, you know what? Later in the hour, I'm going to have Greg Bennell from BNN join me. We're going to have a conversation about this because it's always great to have Greg weigh in on these things. And um, you know what? I think that neither one of us think that it was the right approach. You know, you may as well see what will stick to the wall. I don't think there's anything we can attribute other than I, most people are just getting sick and tired of the market and, you know, buyers are saying, fine, you want to turn around, go to multiple offers? I have no interest. But on top of that, interest rates are creeping down a little. So, you know, what is everybody thinking? You know, the banks were sitting there saying, hey, government, get in the way, slow down the market. But yet, let's take 10 basis points off this week and make it a little bit more attractive for people to buy. Also coming up, uh, home inspections. You know what? This is one of those things that maybe people are going to add them back into their offers. And I'm going to have Murray Parrish join me. And we're going to be talking about home inspection and some rules that are being changed. Home inspectors are going to have to get licensed. And also what's happening in that industry. Of course, we saw everybody go by the wayside saying, no, we got to buy firm, no home inspection. And I got to tell you, you got to be, that's a real dangerous approach. Also, later in the hour, we're back to Minutes with the Mayor. I'm really happy to get that segment back up and running. A couple of weeks, we uh, we weren't reaching out to the mayors because there was so much going on in the news that unfortunately we didn't have time for them. But you know what? Today, we're going to make some space and we're going to be uh, introducing the Mayor of Burlington is going to be joining us, Rick Golding. And it's going to be great because for those of you that uh, know Burlington, it's had some incredible changes over the years, especially down in the waterfront. And I'm going to talk to the mayor and ask him what do they anticipate in the future also how about the fact are are the foreign buyer taxes coming in going to affect some of the outlying areas where developers have been focusing on things so lots coming up this hour and one of the things that uh, we've got to talk about of course is we've got our simple seminar coming up this week may 25th if you have not signed up now uh, yet you can sign up now go to the simpleinvestor.com to register for our simple seminar and that is on thursday may the 25th at 7 p.m at our new head office out in mississauga and uh, looking forward to having a chat with everybody there but again, as I mentioned, the market, yep, it's getting busy. And what about overall inventory? 
are we lacking in inventory? Well, you know what? There's all sorts of people that are taking a different side to this opinion. And there's a bunch of stuff that's going on in the news where people are saying, hey, listen, maybe we have more inventory than we think. And then, of course, there are a lot of people that are saying the government needs to release some of the green space and stop being so strict on development. Well, this is the thing. When we take a look at development, we have to figure out, okay, is it an infill? Are we actually using up space? Or are we sitting there focusing on going out on the outer limits? So how far can Oshawa go? How far can Hamilton go? Well, you know what? They have their boundaries. Mississauga is completely filled up, so everything is infill now. But you know what? Mississauga found a little bit of space there at Burnham Thorpe and Highway 10. And what the heck? Let's jam 10,000 units in in the new Roger development there. That'll be interesting when that actually happens. And, of course, Brampton is pushing out at the seams. Ajax, Whitby, everybody else... You know what? They're taking it slow, but they do have some stuff to work with. So what about this in the news? Can you believe it? Toronto has too much housing despite overall population growth. How about don't let the mushrooming condos downtown fool you? There's no housing shortage in Toronto, says new planning research out of Ryerson University. Well, you know what? Joining me now is Cheryl Case. She is a Ryerson urban planning grad. And Cheryl, thanks so much for joining us here at Simply Real Estate. Yeah, thank you for having me, Todd. Um, so, Cheryl, with these headlines, you know, it contradicts what everybody believes that is actually happening in the GTA area. Can you enlighten us a little on this? Um, yeah, so having too much housing, I don't think that properly uh, addresses the concerns that, are, that came up through my research. So you would instead say, you would instead say um, that we have too, many, too much housing with too few people in it. Right, so the houses that we have today don't reflect the demographic needs of our uh, time. Right, so uh, we're having smaller households than we did 30, 15 years ago. So we need to address that through uh, development in these neighborhoods where we're seeing a lack of development. So a lot of these neighborhoods aren't changing, and that's why you're seeing, uh, you know, the kids are moving out, but the houses are staying the same. So there's too much housing in the sense that the houses aren't being filled. But oh. we definitely need more housing in Toronto. Okay, so when you are referring to the houses aren't being filled, does this mean that you only have two people in a five-person home, or is it that the houses themselves are remaining vacant? Uh, no, it's not a vacancy issue. It's the first that you mentioned. So maybe two people in a five-person home or one person in a five-person home, right? Um, yeah. Okay, so um, when when this study was done, was it were they analyzing the number of bedrooms in a property and determining what should be the average number of people living in a home, and then mm-hmm. saying that we're obviously under occupying? Is that really where the study is is focused? No. So the way that the study was done, so I looked at the a number of private occupied dwellings uh, using uh, census tract data. So I aligned that with neighborhoods. So by neighborhood, I looked at the number of private occupied dwellings and the number of the population, right? And I saw that regardless of the amount of land that was zoned for detached housing, um, the number of people per dwelling decreased in all circumstances. Um, so overall, overall across the city, from 5.22 people per dwelling, uh, we've dec- declined to about three and changed people per dwelling, regardless of uh, if it's a detached house or an apartment. A lot of the neighborhoods actually in Toronto um, – can be 75% or more uh, for detached housing. So they're predominantly detached houses in these neighborhoods. 
and there's a decline in uh, people per household in these neighborhoods. Okay, um, so so, so yeah. did your did your study factor in the fact that so many one bedroom condos have been built by these developers, which would actually lessen? So if you're if you refer to a condominium being a dwelling, mm-hmm. does that yeah. did you actually did you actually change how the averaging was done for those units? Yeah, so that was accounted for in uh, the way that I looked at the data. So if you look, if you if you consider where development is happening, they're mostly happening in uh, very specific areas in the city. So, uh, for example, in my neighborhood, uh, the Kings are, I think it's the Westway Kingsview Village. Um, there is there hasn't been any development. Um, you see these one bedroom condos, the two bedroom condos. Uh, you wouldn't see those in my neighborhood, but the number of people per household has declined in my neighborhood. Okay. So, so yeah. would 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 we also attribute some of this to the baby boomer generation, where we've got the millennials moving out? You know, they've completed university, but the baby boomers are not, are have yet to decide to be able to either sell their home and move out. Is is mm-hmm. would this be part of the issue that we're facing? Yeah, so on that topic, there's something I'd like to address. I don't think it's appropriate to assume that the baby boomers want to move out or that they will move out, right? Because I, I know a lot of, uh, like in my neighborhood, I'm friends with my, with, like my neighbors, for example, right? And they're seniors. We're great friends. Like I consider Bana to be like a neighbor to me, right? Um, or sorry, a grandpa to me. And for him to move out and to move away, I'd be so upset because I fucking, I love him. Right. Right. I don't want him to move away. Um, so, yeah, baby boomers are staying, and that's because they want to stay. And it's about creating spaces for new families to come in. And that's okay. what we need. Okay, so, it, it, but when you say creating space, where does this space come from? Because if we're looking at the average number of people occupying a property, and let's say we refer to your neighbor here, the baby boomer, that, mm-hmm. that you, you deem to be, you know, like a, a pseudo-grandparent to you. Mm-hmm. If they don't move out, okay, so then let's say there's only two of them living in the property. So this is, this is yeah. now pulling down your average. How uh-huh. is it that we can now develop, you know, something in your neighborhood unless mm-hmm. it's taking down these homes or, for that matter, allowing bigger families to move into these dwellings? Yeah, so uh, what I found to be quite interesting is although city politicians or city planners often might say that uh, neighborhoods are stagnant or, sorry, they're, uh, they're not supposed to be changing, right? If you actually look at these neighborhoods, they're changing. Um, this is evident in the destruction and the rebuilding of detached houses in these neighborhoods. For example, um, if you walk around, you'll see a lot of bungalows uh, being de- th- thrown down and turned into two-story houses, right? Um, and so that's a proof that neighborhoods are changing. And so it's about how do we take this change and make it positive and to create more spaces for young families to move into. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. um, and and so just in closing, Cheryl. So, where where do you think that we can can make our most concerted effort to make a change and add some more, um, you know, some more areas to people? Yeah. So, I think it would start at looking at the official plan and maybe looking at um, how do we permit for um, more townhouses, uh, duplexes, semis to enter into these neighborhoods where detached housing um, currently predominates. Uh, dominates the landscape. So uh, currently in the official plan, it's very difficult for a planner or a developer uh, to turn a detached house into a uh, to, to, to split it into two properties. So turn a detached house into a semi, a duplex, a townhouse, and so forth. Right. And so I think we need to look at um, is that appropriate for today, and um, how we can adjust the 
official plan to allow for this development. Excellent. Well, listen, Cheryl, thanks so much for joining us here at Simply Real Estate. Great, uh, great study done and, uh, you know, definitely food for thought. So thanks so much. Thank you, Todd. Okay, thank you. So, folks, when we come back, we're going to be talking with Murray Parish for home inspection. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. I just, uh, I want to thank Cheryl Case for joining me again. Uh, Great to have her on, you know, and a little different perspective on the inventory issue here in Toronto. But as I had alluded to before the break, we're going to talk about home inspections. Are you willing to roll the dice and not get one when you are trying to beat somebody out in a multiple offer? Well, you know my take on it. I think you're crazy. And so instead of me always talking about it, I've got Murray Parrish. He's the owner of Parrish Home Inspections joining me now. And Murray, welcome to the show. Thank you. My pleasure. So, Murray, um, you you practice pretty much in the south and central part of Ontario. Is that correct? That's correct. I, I do a large area in Ontario. Okay, excellent. So, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna dive right in because you know when we talk about multiple offers, a lot of people forego getting a home inspection. Now, I know being a home inspector, obviously, you get paid for it. And when you start seeing people do this, you say, hey, I didn't get paid. But truth be told, you know, I think it's crazy because people are buying houses blind. What's your take on it? I agree. Um, the investors, uh, a lot of that just came out, the, the, it's not really going to do anything as far as our market is. The buyer's market are, are people like you and I actually go in and they want to know about their house. They want to know what the structure's like. Uh, whether or not the houses are actually healthy and and, and the, the, the status of, of the building itself. They're not so much interested in, in investing for, for a quick buck. They're investing for their future, correct? Yes. And, and you know, Murray, one of the things, though, that we're finding, and, and even in some of the outlying markets, because, you know, we've been talking to people in, in London, Sarnia, Windsor, Oshawa, all the, all the kind of outer markets of the GTA, when when the word competition comes in, so multiple offers, people are saying, okay, well, you know what, we have to buy firm, and they don't even bother with a home inspection. What kind of what kind of things are they kind of foregoing? I mean, these these aren't these are end users, but you know what what are they missing? If you take your if you take your standard home inspection, what are some of the main things that you are looking for as far as defects in a home? So when we go in a house, first of all, we're looking for structural fault, failures, anything that's been moved. Um, we like to call it a lipstick on a pig when they renovate a house and make it look all nice. But when you walk in and you get a different perspective of it, where they're looking, we're talking house when we're there. We're looking at the house and we're looking at walls that have been moved. We're looking at different uh, items of the house have been altered in order to, to make it look nice and to, to give you that open feeling, right? Okay. Now, what about things such as heating sources, cooling, roofs, uh, you know, mold, uh, urethromaldehyde foam insulation? I mean, these, these are all things that people should be concerned of, obviously, when they're buying properties. Correct. And what we do is when, we're, when we start on the house, we start on the outside, we start looking at the, the, the grading, the exterior of um, the house, whether or not there's any possibility of water getting into it. And then as we're going throughout our inspection, we keep looking for water because water is one of the things that's going to kill your house first. It's going to rot the, the members of the house and the structure. It's going to go through it. It's going to make mold into your basement. So we're always looking out for water. But um, 
again, the foundation, the roofing, the roof is leaking. It's going to let the water come in. And the problem with a roof leak is it comes from the top and goes all the way down. So it, it's multiple levels of your home. Right. So when when people are aware that, you know, perhaps a roof is leaking, then we're, we've got a lot more to contend with here. We've got mold issues. We've got rot issues. Um, you know, these aren't easy fixes. So when are you able to give people kind of rough idea what expenses are entailed when you when you analyze this? Or is it better for home inspections uh, inspectors just to identify the issue? Well, there are some engineers that are home inspectors, and there are some contractors that are home inspectors. So they would be able to give a more intense uh, pricing. I, I, if it gets too expensive, I, I just tell them that they have better to have a nest because those people have already been in there. They know what it looks like behind the walls. They, they know they have an idea what's going on. Uh, I've done a couple places where the third floor uh, Juliet uh, balcony door has been leaking, and it showed up in the master bedroom two floors below. So. You have to know what you're looking for, and you have to know what it could cause on the way through the house. So it is always better to, uh, even if you get an estimate from somebody, it's better to get somebody that's a contract, licensed contractor to go in and give you an idea of what's going on. Yeah, excellent. So a couple of things you had mentioned, of course, water is one of the problems, and leaky foundations and leaky basements. Um, you know, a lot of people have the ability, they try to hide things. You know, they put drywall up or fresh drywall, fresh coat of paint in a basement, you know, maybe to mask some stains and things like that. But, you know, there, there's more to leaky basements than just, you know, a little bit of water tricking trickling through. As you mentioned, you take a look at grade levels outside a property. Um, are you finding more and more homes now are suffering with uh, basement issues? Yes, and if you if you see the market, there's a lot more basement ceiling, basement leakage companies out there, and they've changed the program from doing the exterior weeping tiles, or they've gone to the interior weeping tiles, which is a little bit more of a protection for the house for the future uh, leakage. If you understand houses, we started building them on the ground, then we went to crawl spaces, and from crawl spaces we went to basement. So we had a little bit of water, then we had a little bit more water, and now we've added a big bathtub in the middle of the ground for all the water to run into. And unfortunately, we try to live in the, that part of our house, which is a basement. Right. So the other things, of course, that people have to be concerned about, a heat source. Um, you know, a lot of times furnaces, you know, these, these are things that can break down at the most unopportune times, normally in the winter. Um, when, when you take a look at it, is this something that you would normally advise people to have, let's say, a, uh, a, a, you know, a gas company or Enbridge or somebody come in and take a look at? So, so when we're doing an inspection on the property, we, we look at the venting on the on the exterior, the chimneys. Uh, we don't obviously get inside the flues and start looking around the flues. And then we look at the appliances, the air conditioning and the, the furnace. There, there are sources out there where you can check for recalls on the appliances. Um, I, I do that with mine, and I, I think a lot of our members do that, just so that you can tell whether or not there's been a, a problem with it and it can be addressed. Um, as far as the furnaces go, every five years they should be have some kind of a maintenance inspection done by a licensed HVAC technician. Um, heat pumps are the same, and it depends on the type of furnace. It could be, even though it could be in the city of oil, uh, gas, and some of them are actually wood. So it gives different different types of uh, heating sources. Yeah. Excellent. Um, just out of curiosity, if people wanted to know roughly what they should be looking for as far as a cost of home inspections, what is today's kind of uh, evaluation, kind of a parameter? What are people looking at for home inspections? So I'm thinking uh, it's usually around between 400 and $600 uh, for an average house, and it depends on 
of course, the, the features of the house, whether or not there's a pool, the size of the lot, and whether or not it's being inspected, outbuildings, whether or not they're being inspected, the size of the, the footprint of the, the building. Okay, excellent. Well, listen, Murray, it's been great to have you on. I guess our listeners can reach you at parishhomeinspections.com. Is that the best way? Perfect. That's, that's very well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us today at Simply Real Estate. We greatly appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a great weekend. Okay, thank you. Bye. Folks, that was Murray Parrish. And coming up, of course, one of my favorite guests, Greg Bennell from BNN is going to join me. And we're going to toss around what is going on in the markets. Uh, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. As I said just before the break, Greg Bennell is joining me in from BNN. Hey, Greg. Always a pleasure to be here. Love having you on. And you know what? For you and I, as I said, I think I think what we need to do is I need to get an extra hour just to have you on as a guest. You <laughs> I don't know, think you want that uh, much. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's always it's awesome to have you on. And there's so much in the news uh, always. It, just, it, it, it never stops. It never stops, and especially what's happening in Toronto right now. The uh, the new measures from the Ontario government haven't been in place for a month, and already Korea, the national body, the Canadian Real Estate Association, actually pointing their finger at it and saying, when we saw the big jump in new listings, we're blaming it all on that. Now, not everyone feels that Premier Wynne or Charles Sousa can take all of the credit if that's how they want to see it. I don't want to give her that much credit. Are you (laughs) kidding? This isn't even close. (laughs) Yeah, there's a a sense too. And you know, I've had this discussion, I've had this discussion with other people too, that what we saw in Vancouver, even though we saw sales fall off a cliff after they bought in their foreign buyer tax, there's a lot of evidence that the market was just sort of exhausting itself months beforehand that people perhaps even just came to their senses and said, wait a minute, it's just a house. Why am I getting into bidding wars where I'm putting down three, four, five hundred thousand more dollars in Toronto? Perhaps the same thing happening. I, I was speaking with Will Dunning. He's the chief economist at Mortgage Professionals Canada, and he was saying even last year he was supporting the fact that whether whatever the drivers were, if it's speculation or immigration or demand or a good economy, even though the market was hot, you could still sort of say there's a bit of logic at play. But for him, for the first couple of months of this year, when things really went through the roof, all logic just sort of went out the window. But maybe we're starting to see a bit of a return. From what I can see and here right now from some of the real estate agents I talked to in Toronto, it appears that we're following that same trend. People are coming to the market, they're listing their homes finally, thinking it's time to take advantage of the big price gains. But it seems that sales, at least so far for this month, that might actually be dropping in a double digit, kind of low double digits, the low teens, but still remember in April, we saw about a 3% pullback in sales. Maybe now people aren't lining up at the curb anymore and going nuts to buy that house, realizing you know, it's just a house. Yeah, and it's interesting because the stats were saying that uh, that prices are still up year over year, of mm-hmm. course, and even month over month. So, you know, we're seeing maybe uh, the fact that people have decided to sell, people have better selection, not as many multiple offers. You know, the way of conditions is coming back. And I think that that's a very positive thing. I think conditional on inspections, you know, especially should be brought back. And that way people aren't taking that chance. Yeah, exactly. You're just walking through a house and, uh, you know, I've heard it and I've heard it in, uh, in your show too, where people saying the lipstick on a pig, right? There's a lot of cosmetic things you can do to make a house look pretty. But if you really don't know what to look for, I mean, I've had a home inspector for the for the properties I bought and the property I live in right now because they can come through and actually look at things and say, you might want to consider this, might want to consider that. So it's very healthy. I agree that that's coming back into the market. Uh, also interesting as well in terms of you were talking about the fact that 
uh, perhaps uh, the market is starting to right itself. We know that we saw that huge surge in new listings. It seems that people are still listing their homes. It's going to take a little while, though, to to get that kind of supply back on in the resale market because it was so tight for a while. But people over at BMO actually put out an interesting graph where they looked at the sales to new listings ratio as a bit of a front runner from where prices might go. So they sort of surmise from as we're seeing it come down and the market not as tight as it was, that we could end up in a place in Toronto where we've already hit peak price growth and maybe we get down to the mid to high single digit price growth around seven or eight percent. It's still a very healthy return on your real estate, but it's not this uh, <laughs> this uh, insane insanity. The, the, sure. the word the only word are insane. Twenty four percent, thirty percent. It's just crazy. Yeah, fifty five and out yeah. in Aurora. Yeah. You know, one of the, and, and and I have to agree. When you analyze the numbers, the fact is is that if we could get back to a five to eight uh, percent annual growth rate in real estate, I think we're going to stabilize it. Mm-hmm. It's also going to get rid of some of the speculators because the speculators that that were throwing their their hats into the market, trying to offset it perhaps as a short term rental. They're losing money. And and if you actually calculate out what their losses are for the carrying of that inflated price based on today's rent rates, they were actually, you know, they needed that big growth Mm -hmm. to be able to balance the books. And I think that this will also say to some of the speculators, hey, look, it, it doesn't make sense for you to buy this. You know, you're not going to have that huge escalation in price. And it would be better because the people then that are going to come into the market, they're the long term hold or the true people that want to be landlords. And this is the thing. We need the long-term landlords. I mean, thanks to the Wynn government, of course, and put, wanting to put in that rent control. You know what? Guess what? You're going to stop building the buildings that we need. We're hearing so, from a lot of developers on yeah. BNN just saying, listen, we wanted to be in this game, but if we can't uh, raise rents greater than the pace of inflation, we're just not going to build. Well, this is the thing. And especially that, you know, down the road, we know that hydro prices are going to go through the roof. And as a landlord, they have to look at common elements and say, look, at if my if my hydro rates are going up at this rate, there's no way I can keep pace in a positive cash flow manner. So then what you're going to do is you're going to have some landlords that just aren't going to be very present. You know, they're going to just turn around and look at properties and say, oh, well, you know what? I can't raise it enough. It's just going to become derelict and, and you know, some problems. Yeah, I wonder about that in terms of uh, the election being next year. Obviously, Premier, <laughs> Premier Wynn can go to the polls. Not that I, I'm tight with her advisors or I know what they're thinking, but on that policy, you can go to the polls next year and say, listen, we're keeping your rents low and stable. And it's great politically, uh, but the fallout down the road, of course, is the fact that there won't be those rentals to be supplied. I wonder at some point if they see the logic in that and they heed the warnings of the industries or people who would simply buy a property to rent it out but won't do it under rent control and change that post-election. I just wonder, sometimes politics, the sands can shift, right, depending on what you need at certain times and what kind of message you want to send to the people. Yeah, I think that she's just a swinging door. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> Whatever, whatever the flavor of the day mm-hmm. is. And, you know, again, I understand, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of pent-up demand. There was a lot of irate people saying, I can't get it in the market. You know, I, I should be able to get it in the market, but I can't get in the market. So I think she's trying to appease one part of the market. But yet, I think if we really project out what we need and require here, and, you know, I'd say the GTA overall, you do need more rental properties. So the only way that that's going to work is when it's the private 
owners now that are going to come in and they have to be motivated to be able to get, you know, affordable rental price uh, to be able to be landlords. So th those are the one ofs, two ofs, three ofs, not the speculators that are saying, hey, I'm just buying to flip it in, in, in the later years. It's, you know what, we need some real rental properties that can be affordable. Yeah, the, the economists I've spoken to, including Benjamin Tolliver at CIBC, they're not saying, let's have a wild west where you can raise rents 50, 60, 70 percent, because that's not healthy for a community and a market either. But if you had something that was pegged to inflation plus, then you can entice the developers. You can entice yeah. the landlord to say, listen, if inflation is going to run at about 2 percent, that's supposed to be the sweet spot, and we give you an extra 1.5 or 2 on top of that and sure. allow, that would be enough to sort of say, that's an investment I can make. That's that's something I can actually make some money off. Yeah, and, and that's reasonable if you're also a tenant, because if you take a look at, you know, average rents and say, okay, look at, you know, standard increase, standard costs. I mean, if they were homeowners, they would still have the same increases to the expenses of a home. Mm -hmm. You know, when we take a look at, you know, different, if they're all, all inclusive, uh, uh, leases, you know, we look at utilities, how they go up. This, this, this is reality. And so I think, I think for us, I think, you know, rent control, you know, I'll give it an X bad. Um, but for now, I would have to say the market's got a lot going on. Speaking of the market, Bank of Canada is going to be chatting, obviously, in the next little while. What do you think we're looking at with home trust? Is it still shaking up the market or is the market kind of stabilizing, understanding that it's probably not as bad off as they thought it was. Well, so far, the Bank of Canada, Governor Polos, who doesn't like to speak about individual institutions, he shut me down on many occasions when I've asked <laughs> him about individual <laughs> firms. He actually, you know, this wasn't me. He actually spoke to, spoke to this in an international uh, meeting and, and sort of the finance minister. They say that they are convinced and they are comfortable with the position that home capital's problems are home capital's problems. Now, we do get the big bank earnings next week. Right. And obviously, there'll be a bit of that flavor hanging over it. What do their mortgage books look like? Uh, how sound is it? But the same, at the same time, all this home capital stuff, and we got their earnings last week, it was actually a decent quarter for home capital. But it wasn't yeah. the first three months of the year that we're worried about. Sure. It's what happened afterwards after the OSC came out, the domino effect, the deposits being pulled out, the investors hitting sell on the stock. But the actual underlying business itself and the mortgages are performing. So yeah. I wouldn't assume next week when we get the big bank earnings, and remember these aren't the alternative. The reason why home capital exists is because the big banks wouldn't give home capital's customers a mortgage. That's the alternative space. I wouldn't think that we're going to see any pressure on their loan books either. But of course, there's a lot of people just waiting, waiting for Canadian real estate to both fall in on itself and for their big bets against our financial industry to actually start paying off for them. You know, it just reminds me of a cartoon like the vultures just sitting on the wire waiting mm -hmm. for the waiting for the rabbit to cross the road, you know. And it's interesting because a lot of people wanted to short it. They wanted to play with the markets. And, you know, as you and I have said before, we hope that they, you know, they, they ride the storm and come out ahead because they're really, their mortgage book is pretty solid. And you would hope too. I mean, just as the average person, it's—I don't think it's really in anyone's interest. It's not in your interest to see 30 percent price growth year over year. The market gets a bit crazy. Young people get discouraged. Uh, some people cash in, but uh, for the most part, even I've talked to some people who even have even seen those kind of price rates, and they're and they're not so eager to cash in because your home is your home after all. Yep. At the same time, if the market cools down, if it can cool down, that's probably the best uh, solution. If it comes off 10, 15 percent, well, we only end up where we were six or seven months ago. It's a strange, strange dichotomy. Everyone's entitled to their point of view, but people are calling for a 50, 60 percent correction. I mean, I'm not uh, going to prejudge the outcome, but as a homeowner with a mortgage, I wouldn't like to see that. Yeah, me neither. Anyways, Greg, always awesome to have you here. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll get you back and keep uh, keep our listeners up to date. Always a pleasure. Nice to be here. Excellent. Thanks so much. That was Greg Bennell. Hey, listen, stay put. When I come back, Mayor Rick Golding is joining me from Burlington, so stay with us. We'll be 
right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now, more of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. So folks, you know, as I mentioned earlier uh, in the hour, one of the things that I'm always excited about is when we have Minutes with the Mayors. And this week, we're going to travel a little bit west uh, in the GTA, and we're going to go out to Burlington. And joining me now is the Mayor of Burlington, Mr. Rick Golding. And Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for joining us here at Simply Real Estate. You are you're most welcome. Really glad to participate with you. So, Mr. Mayor, um, for a lot of our listeners, uh, you know, from the GTA or even from the east side of the city, um, can you tell us just kind of a brief overview about Burlington, and then you and I can get in depth with a few things. So, sure. So, Burlington's at the western end of Lake Ontario, uh, the western end of the GTA. Um, we're very fortunate in the fact that fifty percent of Burlington is rural and in the green belt. Uh, where we have the Niagara Escarpment and the Bruce Trail and many, many great uh, uh, park areas. And then 50% of our city is more urban. And, and uh, Money Sense Magazine has named us for the last four years in a row as the best medium-sized city in Canada to live because we are relatively affluent. We have uh, great weather. Uh, we're a safe community. Uh, we have relatively low unemployment. And uh, we have a wonderful waterfront to contrast with our rural area. Uh, in our downtown uh, area of the city of Burlington and uh, great neighborhoods in between. Uh, wonderful festivals uh, throughout the year. We've been named by Festivals Events Ontario as the Municipality of the Year last year for festivals and events because we have about 180 different uh, festivals and events uh, each and every year, including the Sound of Music Festival on Father's Day weekend and the weekend before, Canada's largest rib fest, uh, Canada Day festivities, children's festivals, and, and many more. And I could go on for hours bragging about my city. <laughs> well, you know what? It's nice to hear, uh, you know, how proud you are of Burlington. You know, I've spent uh, I've spent lots of time down there. I love the waterfront. You've done, uh, the city of Burlington has done such a wonderful job doing the redevelopment down there. It just really blends nicely with Lake Ontario. But, you know, it just, it, it, it doesn't feel, you know, uh, it feels like you're almost in the Muskokas to a certain extent when you're down in that area. Well, you know, our city has a nice feel. We're a, we're a city of 183,000 people, so we're not we're not a small uh, community. But there's so many people, particularly ones that move from other areas of the province or Canada or internationally, that move into Burlington and say what they like about Burlington is that it has big city amenities, it's close to everything, uh, but has a small town feel. Yeah, and uh, we're pretty proud of that. Well, certainly, and of course, you've got the Go Train line right there, which gives people great access to the city when required if they're going to events. But I believe you probably have a lot of people now that have looked at the affordability of Burlington because it's not at that same cost of downtown Toronto. People have access, you know, uh, to be able to get into the city so they can work and live in Burlington. And you had mentioned some of your employers. Who are um, who are some of the big employers now in Burlington? Because you've had quite a few large corporations come your way. Well, actually, we only have five companies that employ more than 500 people uh, in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest one is Kojiko, supplier of, of cable TV and, and other services. 
Um, they have a, a strong presence in Burlington uh, with a thousand employees. Uh, we have L3 Westcam, a high tech company. We have Everts, another high tech company. Uh, we have uh, Workman Cookies. We have uh, uh, Fearman uh, uh, Meats. Um, so those are our big companies, but really our, our, the bedrock of our city is small and medium-sized enterprise, and we're absolutely a great city to do, uh, to do business in. In fact, we're opening a, a tech center, an innovation center for entrepreneurs in the tech sector in June to provide that support and facilitate uh, expansion of, uh, of their businesses and startup of their businesses in the city of Burlington. Excellent. So when we when we talk about residential real estate, of course, uh, a lot of development in uh, North Burlington. Uh, you know, people can see if they're going along the 407 and even part of the QEW. You've uh, you've added quite a few properties, uh, but again, affordability. Um, are are you attracting a lot of the younger families and first time home buyers? Who 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 is gravitating towards the Burlington area at this time? Well, there's certainly people moving from the east, uh, moving into Burlington, because on a relative basis, uh, there is more affordability. But recognizing, though, still, you know, the average price of a single detached dwelling in our city is about $950,000. So that may be less expensive than Oakville to the east or Toronto, but it is, it is still fairly um fairly expensive. Um, but where we're focusing our development is, is around the GO train stations. Uh, we, those are great assets for us. We have three GO train stations, and those are opportunities for us to build new, mixed-use, walkable, urban uh, neighborhoods, all in close proximity to major transit. And uh, those are great opportunities for younger people to get their toehold in the real estate market uh, because there is relatively af- uh, relative affordability uh, in those areas and have access to the GO train, which right now is half-hour, all-day service, which eventually will be 15-minute service uh, within eight years. Those are really the, those are areas we're looking at urbanizing, making them feel more city-like and making sure there's lots of amenities in the area and, and encouraging uh, walkability and cycling uh, and transit in those areas of our city. Excellent. Um, Mr. Mayor, are you finding that you've, you're also getting, uh, you know, a, a, I guess a large amount of new immigrants coming into the Burlington area? I, I know that you've got a, a fair bit of diversity there, but we're finding that there's certain municipalities that they find that, you know, new immigrants are making up a huge increase in the population. Are you finding that in the Burlington area as well? Certainly, an increase in the population. There, there is more uh, more ethnic diversity in our city than there there ever has been, and, and particularly in the north and northeast part of the city, in the new developments and uh, in, in the city, there's certainly more uh, uh, more diversity, which we believe is uh, is certainly very very positive. Um, yeah, people love people love our, our wherever they live in Burlington. People love uh, the new neighborhoods, the Alton community, the Orchard community, uh, in particular, have more diversity than some of our uh, more established neighborhoods. But you know, clearly, the, the federal government's made a decision to uh, welcome 250,000 to 300,000 immigrants into Canada every year, and about half of those people come to the Greater Toronto Area, and we are pleased to welcome our share of that. Yeah, excellent. And and I'm glad you 
brought that up because, uh, you know, a talking point that I've been discussing with a few of the mayors, of course, is the fact that we also have foreign investment and the Wynn government recently introduced the foreign buyer tax. Do you think this is going to hurt the Burlington market at all when talking with developers? Of course, developers don't mind some foreign buyers because it allows them to be able to keep their inventory moving. But in the case of Burlington, do you think this will have much of an adverse effect or do you believe that most people buying in Burlington are kind of more user-friendly and, and, and they're actually using the properties themselves? Yeah, I, I, you know, we have some people that are buying real estate in Burlington um, for investment purposes rather than to live in it, uh, live in the, in the dwelling units. Uh, but I would say with regard to foreign buyers, I don't really see much of that. And I think the further, you know, you get outside the, the city of Toronto, the less you see of that. The closer to, to, to Toronto, you see more of that. So I don't believe that's a factor in Burlington. Yeah, I don't think uh, you have as many speculators, and I'll, and, and I'll position it that way, because I find that in the outer markets, people seem to want to be the end user, meaning they're, they're going there for a reason, not for speculation. Again, family, young families, you know, some retirees, they're, look, they're looking for a lifestyle. And, and I think that Burlington obviously can offer quite a lifestyle for, you know, all sorts of age groups, you know, everywhere from the first-time homebuyers to the retirees. So we have three different types of lifestyles that people can can live in. Uh, we have an emerging suburb, urban area, certainly our downtown areas around our GO stations, the Plains Road, Fairview uh, corridor. It's becoming more and more urban. Uh, we have traditional suburban neighborhoods that, uh, that many people live in and are used to. And then we also have a rural area. Fifty percent of, of Burlington is uh, is rural, and uh, that attracts. Um, other people as well. Yeah, excellent. So, Mr. Mayor, what do we have to look forward to from Burlington over the next five, ten years? Anything you can share with our listeners? Well, I, I think uh, the key things to look forward to is the development that I was I was referencing. We do not have any more room for traditional greenfield, suburban, single-family home type of development. So Burlington will become more and more urban, and we're using the, our GO stations as opportunities for development in the Plains Road Fairview Corridor, which connects the GO stations in our downtown area and aging retail plazas. So over over the next uh, you know, 15, 20 years, you'll see Burlington becoming more urban, more walkable, uh, more bikeable, uh, and we'll be investing more in transit. Excellent. Well, Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for joining us today at Simply Real Estate. We greatly appreciate you, uh, you know, enlightening us more about Burlington. Todd, I very much appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. Excellent. Well, that was great to have the the mayor on from Burlington. I have to, I have to tell you, um, you know, it's I, I, I find such a privilege that they give us their time to be able to enlighten everybody about their neighborhoods. And so when we have minutes of the mayors and we have some of these special guests join us, you know, I really appreciate it. And I hope you as the listeners, you know, you get a little bit more of an idea of some of these areas that it's not just the core of Toronto. It's absolutely everywhere. Hey, listen, um, you know, just to, to finish off, uh, I want to thank Greg Bennell. Always great to have Greg join me. You know, he is so insightful in the marketplace. Always a pleasure. And of course, having Murray Parrish, you know, enlightening us with home inspections. Folks, the one thing you'll always hear me say here at Simply Real Estate is never buy without a home inspection unless somebody is giving you a guarantee. And most homeowners that are doing a resale will not do that. So even if you're going into competition, make sure you 
you do a pre-inspection. You've got to know what you're buying because there's so many issues out there and even the homeowners don't know some of the problems in their very own homes. So much better to be safe than sorry. And uh, I'd like to thank uh, Cheryl Case uh, earlier for joining me. You know, having uh, having a different opinion on uh, what we're looking at as far as the actual home glut or the lack of. Is inventory really at a shortage or is it just people need to put more people in their homes? Well, I'll leave that for you to decide. You know, I'm not going to weigh in on that, but it's an interesting take anyways. Um, listen, I want to thank uh, Andre for working with me this week. Ian Grant is away. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in as usual. I greatly appreciate that. And uh, lots going on in the market. So remember, I'm back uh, next week, Saturday at 3 p.m. as usual. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. Thanks for tuning in to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.